Welcome to CE Online. So excited about today's service. Thank you so much for spending today with us. We believe that this can be the best and most impactful hour of your week. Throughout the service, you may have comments, questions, or prayer requests. Go to churchexperience.tv connect or pull out your camera app on your phone and scan the QR code. Or better yet, if you wanna know what's going on here at CE, hit that subscribe button. Would love to hear from you, pray for you, and connect with you. Now let's dive in and join me in singing some worship songs to Jesus.
defeated and we stand because of what you did Jesus and rose from the grave we stand today with you victorious and we praise you today we bless you today we honor you we thank you God because you you are forever lifted high you are forever lifted high in this place and exalted in this place in our lives and forevermore we praise you we love you we honor you Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Lord. We love you, and it's in your name, your precious name, Jesus, that we pray these things. Amen. Well, happy Easter, happy Resurrection Sunday. We've been looking forward to this for a long time, and it's finally here. So good. Well, I hope that when all the excitement and all the hype of this day passes, and you get back to the ordinary days, my hope is that God will have done something supernatural, something special and lasting on this day that actually carries into all your other days. My hope is that today God will do something significant and substantial in your spirit. Because we don't need more entertainment, do we? 
we got a lot of entertainment, especially where I live here in Central Florida. You can go in any direction, and you got all the best entertainment in the world, literally. We got all the good stuff. But what we need is not more entertainment. What you and I need is an encounter with the living God, the one true God. That's what we need in our lives and in our families. We need God. We need to experience him. And and that's what we're going to chase after today, an experience with Jesus that marks us, that lasts. We're going to do that today by looking at a story in God's word in Luke chapter 24. If you want to open up the Bible, we're going to get into God's word in Luke 24. It's a story that happens right on the heels of when they crucified Jesus on a cross And then they buried him in the grave. Right after that, let's check out what happens. Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 1. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Verse 3, it says, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. They, they came expecting to find Jesus laid out. They saw him die. They, they, they knew he was in the tomb. He was buried. But when they walked into the tomb, he wasn't there. The, their expectations were unmet. They, they, they meant to find Jesus there laid out so that they could put these spices they had prepared on his body. Perhaps they were going to put it on his head and his face, his wounded hands and feet. We think maybe that because Joseph of Arimathea And Nicodemus, who wrapped his body and embalmed him and placed him in the tomb, we think maybe they they were doing that out of fear of the Jews late at night. They were in a hurry, and maybe they didn't finish the job, and so now they're coming to to touch it off. Maybe it was kind of symbolic, and because they cared for Jesus, they loved him. Maybe much like how we would put flowers around the grave of someone that we love who's passed away. But either way, they're, they're going there expecting to see the body of Jesus, and they walk in, and he's not there. Their expectations are unmet. Now, they didn't know it yet, but Jesus had risen from the dead. They didn't know that the person they were looking for wasn't there because something better had happened. All they knew is what they came for, they didn't find. Their expectations were unmet. Have you ever felt like those women, like you're living in unmet expectations? You know what I'm talking about, right? You thought that when you got to this place in life that you now are, you thought that you would be happier than you are? You didn't think that your family would turn out the way that it did. You thought it was going to look a little different than it does now. Unmet expectations. You didn't know that life would hurt as bad as it has. Unmet expectations. They walk into this tomb and it's empty. But, But look at these ladies and look at what they didn't know yet. (laughs) They had unmet expectations, but that didn't mean that Jesus was finished with them. That didn't mean that something better wasn't about to happen in their life. See, unmet, unmet expectations can sometimes be a prelude to something better that's going to happen in our lives. Sometimes setbacks can actually be a setup for what Jesus wants to do in our future. See, these women had, had spices in their hands, because they intended to put them on Jesus' body, and it didn't turn out how they thought it was going to turn out. In fact, the, the whole cross with Jesus dying, that didn't turn out how any of them imagined. They never imagined their leader, their, their charismatic leader, 
their leader that's doing miracles supernaturally, the leader that they put all their hopes in, they, they never imagined him being crucified on a criminal's cross. But that's how it ended, and they did, certainly didn't picture him dying and being buried at such a young age, but that's exactly what happened. The leader that they put their hope, hopes in had actually died and been buried. It didn't turn out how they thought it would, and I know that you have things in your life that didn't turn out how you thought they would turn out. But one thing that I've learned is that Jesus always has vision beyond my expectations. And when life lets you down, you have to develop a habit of looking up. Here's one thing I really want you to get today. Jesus is alive despite my buried expectations. Jesus is alive despite your buried expectations. God has an amazing vision for your future in him. A future that's so big and so amazing that it's going to make your plans look foolishly small and poorly planned. Now our plans, when they're submitted to God, might look very different. These women had plans for that day and they showed up and nothing happened like they thought it was going to happen that day. And how did the tomb get empty in the first place? Like what had happened? I want to look over at the gospel of Matthew for a moment. Matthew chapter 28, verse 2. It says, there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Now, interesting to think about, the angel did not roll the stone away so Jesus could get out of the tomb. Because remember, later on, Jesus, he literally could walk through walls, right? And that's how he went to meet with the disciples in a a room, and he showed himself to them, and he literally just came in the room when the doors were locked. They were hiding in this room, and he just came right through the wall. (laughs) So it wasn't that they moved the stone so Jesus could get out. The angel moved the stone so that other people could get in and see that he wasn't there. Sometimes the movements in our life from God are not for him, they're for us. You know, they're to strengthen our faith, to build our muscles in trusting in him. It's like not like God needs you to do that for him. He needs you to do it for you. He needs you to go through that season for you, to trust in him, to learn to believe again, and to trust in him. And the stone was, was moved. And Luke chapter 24, if we can go back to our story. They walk in, there's, there's no body of Jesus. And, and interestingly, notice what happens in verse 4. It says, while... While they were wondering about this, so in other words, they were not expecting a resurrection. They were, they were expecting to find a body a because body, they, they were wondering, like, what happened? And while they were wondering about it, it says, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead. What a powerful and convicting statement that these angels said to these women. Why do you look for the living among the dead? You know, we're always looking for something, aren't we? We're always looking for something. You know, especially this time of year, you know, the Easter holiday, you know, there's, there's egg hunts everywhere. And, you know, kids are running around looking for eggs. And it's, it's fun to, to look for hidden eggs, right? I mean, sometimes they have candy inside. Sometimes they might have money inside. Every once in a while, they have nothing inside, right? That's no fun. We just had a a student experience egg hunt here at our property uh, just this last week, and it was a glow-in-the-dark egg hunt. 
So we, we filled the largest room on our property with all these eggs, and they had glow-in-the-dark lights in them and around them. And then a whole bunch of students, they, they gathered together, and we gave them a countdown, and they just took off running after all these eggs. And, and most of them all had something inside of them. But one of the eggs that I had actually hidden up on top of an eight-foot-high pole, and it was just sitting up there. Had a little glow-in-the-dark ring around it, and, and somehow it got busted open, and the candy had all fallen out. And, and later on, as, as the last few eggs are being gathered, I, I went over to that one. I could see it was up high, and no one had got to it yet. And, and there was a student just sitting there looking at it. And I was like, you, you want to get that egg down? You need some help? And, and they looked up at it, and they could tell that it was open, and there was no candy inside. And they said, nah, sorry, there's, there's nothing inside it. I'm like, would you, you still want it? And they're like, no, I'm good. And I'm like, let me get it down for you. I got it down. I'm like, here, just, just take the egg, man. Just, just take the egg. You know? And it's like, nobody wants something that's empty, right? Like, like no, just, just leave it. Like, nobody wants something empty. It's like, you know, getting something empty, it's like getting a, a chocolate Easter bunny, right, that's, that's hollow inside. Like, we don't want a hollow Easter egg bunny. We don't, we don't want a hollow chocolate candy. We want something inside like caramel, right? We, we, we want, do, do you say caramel or do you say caramel? I, I say caramel, you say caramel. We just want something inside, whatever it is. We don't want a hollow chocolate Easter bunny. We want something inside that satisfies our hunger. We want something inside that's good. We don't want a hollow experience. And so many people are looking in life for something. They're looking for something, and they're finding that they are coming up empty-handed. Empty-handed after chasing success without God in it, it leaves them with an empty experience. After chasing relationships where Jesus was not the center of it, it feels empty. Life without the depth of a life-giving relationship with their loving Father in heaven, it feels empty. It feels empty. And I, and I love this statement that they asked these women. The angels say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why are you looking for the living? Something satisfying, something fulfilling in, a, in an empty tomb. And I think God would want to ask you that same question today. Why are you looking for something living, something satisfying, something that will fulfill your desires among the empty things of this world? Thinking that if you could just attain something, get to a certain place in your life or status or accomplish something, that, that that's going to satisfy the deepest part of you. You know it's going to leave you empty because it has every time before. That's why you're still looking. And the angels say to these women, why are you looking in this, this empty tomb? Why, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Jesus is alive, so why are you looking among these, these dead things? And some of, some of us are searching and striving so hard, and yet our, our expectations are unmet because we're looking for a living hope among the dead things of this world. Don't look for something in a place that you can't find it. You know, some of us are, are, are too busy, you know, to, to bring God into our life. And, you know, we're searching for everything in the world. And we're, we're keeping our lives so full, so busy. We don't have time to go to church on a weekly basis. We don't have time to worship every week. We don't have time to spend with God on a daily basis in his word and in prayer. We, we don't have time for that. Maybe every once in a while, but we don't have time every week, every day. We don't have time for that. We're too busy. And why are we too busy? It's because of the pursuit of life. We're out chasing adventures. We're out chasing relationships and we're chasing careers and success and all these things. Then in the end of the day, if, if that's what you chase in your life, you're going to end up empty. I loved hearing a story of a family in our church. Uh, it was just a few weeks ago. They had something going on over in Orlando. And they normally come to our first service in the morning here in Dunedin. And they were in Orlando about an hour and a half away. 
and they so desperately wanted to be in worship that day that they left their obligation in Orlando. They hurried over that morning, and they made it to the 11 o'clock service that day. Like, we, we're not going to be at the 930 today, but we're going to be at the 11 because we want to make sure that we are in church with our family. We want our kids there. We want to worship with our church family. It's a priority. It really, it comes down to what your priorities are. We're not talking about driving an hour and a half to get to church. Some people, it's like literally getting up and walking across the room and opening up their Bible and spending a few minutes with the Lord before they run into the day. I heard someone say that if, that if you don't walk with God before you run into your day, then you're going to be running from God the rest of that day. You're not going to experience it. And so before you run off to work, you, you've, you've got to walk with God. You've got to make it a priority if you want to experience the fullness that Jesus offers. If you look for things where they can't be found, you're always going to come up empty. And if, here's all I'm trying to say. If you spend the majority of your time and the majority of your days chasing the things of this world, hoping it will satisfy you, at the end of your life, you're going to come up empty. But there's, there's no period in your Christian journey, whether it's three weeks in, three years in, or 30 years in, where you will be satisfied inside without being drenched in the presence of God. I mean, your thirst will never be quenched unless you are satisfying yourself in a relationship with God. Not not in a religious experience, but within a personal relationship, a life-giving daily relationship with God. It doesn't matter how many years you've been following Jesus. If you drift away from that, that's, that's sinner. If you drift away from that and you drift into other pursuits and hobbies and interests, I mean, even good things. And you're busy and your schedule's full of good things. But you forgot to walk with God. Man, you're going to come up empty. And these women, they walk into this tomb and there's no body there. And the angel's like, hey, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And, and, and here's what I'm trying to say. I'll never find what I'm looking for unless I'm looking at Jesus. Maybe you want to write that down, but more importantly, get it in your heart. You'll, you'll never find what you're looking for. And I, and I don't know what you're looking for today. I don't know what you're looking for, but you'll never find it unless you're looking at Jesus, looking at him. Because here's what's interesting. These women have been around Jesus, and, and they were now in this tomb. They were in a place where Jesus had been, like he had once been there, right? And there's this, this whole thing. You, you could look at people like think they found the, the garment that was wrapped around him, and they think they could kind of like see the, the shadow of his face in it, and there's all this kind of conjecture about that, but whatever. I mean, like this was a place where he was, right? This was, this was the space where he, his body had taken up for a period of time. He was there for, for a season. He wasn't there anymore, but he had been there. And what's interesting is these women were around the things of Jesus. They were in a place where Jesus had been, but Jesus wasn't there. And so their, their expectations were still unmet. And it's very possible to be around the things of God, even be in church, be raised in church, but not really have a relationship with God. It's possible to be involved in a church. It's possible to drive past the church and say prayers to God, but, but, but not really be connected in your heart. Just, just kind of going through the motions, kind of this, this casual, lukewarm faith. And I, I'm concerned that, that many of us today, like our, our, our satisfaction is low in life because we're looking for the living among the dead. We're, we're filling our lives with so many these other competing pursuits and competing passions that will never fill us. And so we've got our lives full of what we think are good things, and, but we're missing, we're missing God, an encounter with God. Not a belief generally in God, but an encounter with God. And, and it brings me back to this passage in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15, where Jesus says to his church, he says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, 
I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth. I don't need a thing. And doesn't that sound like our culture? When we have so many comforts, so many conveniences, so much technology, so many websites to go to, so many things that make our life easier, so many apps. Right? I mean, just all, all these things, right? Like we're in a very prosperous society compared to history. Right? The, the time and the era we live in is a, is a blessed era to live in. And he says, you know, you, you say you're rich. I've acquired wealth. I don't need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And you don't even realize it, he says. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich, true riches, God's riches, and, and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness, salve to put on your eyes so that you can see, so you can really see. He says in verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Do you know when you feel the conviction of God, it's really a good thing? Like, like God doesn't condemn you. He doesn't want you to walk around with guilt and shame and all that. But, but he will convict you. You know, it, it's the enemy, it's the devil who will condemn you, right? And Jesus said he didn't come to condemn you, but to save you. But he will convict you. The Holy Spirit will convict you. And if you feel conviction inside today as we're talking, that's a good thing because that means the Holy Spirit's inside of you and that he's convicting you and that he loves you. Why does God love you and why does he not condemn you but convict you? Because he doesn't want you to be eternally condemned. And then he says here in verse 20, he says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He says, you, you think you have it all, but, but you don't have anything. And I wish you were either hot or cold because if you were cold and you were distant from me, then you would really know that you don't have me and you need me. You would see how empty your life is. You would see how you're looking for the living, the satisfying among the dead, and you would, you would realize that you needed to repent and turn away from sin and turn to me. I wish you were either cold or, or where I really want you to be is hot. I want you to have that zeal for me and that passion for me where you're living with me, the living God, and experiencing me and encountering me every day. That's what I want for your life. But because you're not cold and because you're not hot, you're kind of in this, this middle ground, this, this lukewarmness. You kind of believe in God. You kind of pray. You, you kind of hope that God in the end will, like, save the day in your life, but you're still really searching among the, the, the dead things of the world for satisfaction. He's like, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. He says, you have all these things that you've acquired and accumulated, all these trophies, but they don't mean anything. They're not lasting. He says, so repent. What does that mean? It means to change your mind, to turn back to God, turn to him, surrender to him, live for him. And, and this is not just to the unbelievers. Again, this was written to the church. This is for you, for those of us who have drifted away from center, from pursuing Jesus with everything we've got, from putting him first in our life. We're still looking among the dead things of the world to satisfy us. And Jesus is saying, hey, you, you're not going to find what you're looking for unless you're looking at me. And it's not until you look at me that you will find satisfaction for all your desires. My dad was here this last week, and uh, it was so fun to see him. He was down here for work, and I uh, just got to spend a, an afternoon with him and really enjoyed the time. And we were talking about how up in Michigan where he lives and where he's lived for over 30 years now that it's starting to warm up and spring's coming. And usually where I grew up, up in West Michigan, uh, an area called Holland, Michigan, when, when spring comes, that means that the tulips start to come up. And there's this big festival called the Tulip Festival. And it's a big thing up in West Michigan. It's huge. I mean, 
tens of thousands of people, if not hundreds of thousands of people, come to Holland, Michigan for the Tulip Time Festival every year. I mean, it's epic. I mean, there's, there's street dancing going on. There's vendors and booths set up everywhere. There's people everywhere, tourists all over the place. I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's really a huge event. And, and everybody comes in part to Holland for the Tulip Time Festival because all the streets are lined with these tulips. These tulips are, are buried in the ground. Like, you don't see them most of the year. The, the bulbs are down in the ground. But, but when the weather gets right, Usually around April, May, these, these, these tulips start popping up out of the ground. And because the city has lined every main street, like literally every main street on both sides, there's all these buried tulip bulbs of all these different colors and varieties. And, and right around that certain time of the year, it's amazing because all this, all this dead dirt along the side of the road, it just turns into this beautiful, majestic look of all these flowers. Well, of course, it's like the pride of the city. And and, and, you know, then, of course, there's some, some high schoolers that, you know, have some fun with it. And, you know, one year one student made this little flyer that he handed to tourists that said, if you pick a tulip and you hand it to a police officer, then you'll get a reward. And, of course, the reward in this city for picking a tulip is actually a fine. <laughs> so they thought that would be great. And, and, and a couple of high schoolers one year went out with their, their father's car, and they thought it would be amazing to go down these rows of tulips and knock them all down. They just, for some reason, thought that would be a great experience. And so one of them's driving, and the other one's in the passenger seat. And as they go down one of these main roads with all these tulips, they would hold out their door. And the door would just, boom, 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 just knock down all these tulips, like the whole row of them down the road as they, they drove along. Well, of course, people hated this in the city, and they couldn't catch these people. They didn't know who it was, but they knew what was happening. And so what the police officers did is they started to put these metal spikes between the tulips. And they, they just at random put them in the different streets between the tulips. You couldn't see them. They looked like tulip stalks, and they were just, they were just hidden between all these flowers. Well, these guys would go out joyriding, right? And they'd, they'd open that car door going down the road, and, boom, 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 and then bam, they smack into one of these, these metal poles and mess up daddy's car. I try explaining that one to dad, right? But they're, they're hidden in, in the beauty of all these amazing flowers with something destructive. It would wreck their car and, and wreck their life for the foreseeable future. You know, that, that's really what Jesus came to save us from. It's the destruction that's hidden in all the alluring beauty of this world and all the options and all the opportunities. There's, there's something called sin that's, that's buried within all of that. And as we, we go out chasing these dead things of the world that, that offer destruction, it's really a form of rebellion against God is saying, God, I know that you tell me that you'll satisfy me, that, you, that you're my hope, that you are my joy, that, that you're my peace, but I'm gonna go try to find those things in the world. And, and we go and we, we rebel against God and we say, I'm gonna do it my own way. And I know, God, you've said these things are right and this is how I'm, I'm supposed to live, but I'm, I'm just gonna kind of go find that on my own. And we, we go out looking, right? And, and we're looking really for, Something life-giving, something alive that makes us feel alive, but we're looking for it in the dead things of the world. And, and so we come up empty every time, and this, this sin, it has consequences. It's destruction. Something that's lasting. You know, there's a long trail of consequence that comes from sin. It's actually immeasurable. You, you can't measure the consequence in your life for the, the sin of yesterday and how it's still affecting you today and how it can affect your future. I mean, just there's this long trail of rebellion in our life that just from, from every act of rebellion, every act of sin, when we miss out on God's best and how it trickles down into our life and other lives around us, the hurt and the pain that causes in the world, that's why there's so many problems in our world. That's why there's violence and poverty and all this. It's, it's the rebellious heart inside of us. And we've all participated in where we've rebelled against God to do things our own way. And it's brought immense consequence into our world. And because of that sin, because of that consequence, Jesus needed to come 
to put sin to death in us, to die for our sins on that cross once and for all time, all your sins past, present, and future. So you don't have to carry the weight of that throughout your whole life, and that's why he came. Not, not, to, not to make you a better person, right? He didn't come just to reform you morally and help you be a better person. That, that's not why he came to die for you. He came to die for you because you had a bigger problem than just being a bad person. If you were just a bad person, you need to have somebody to come help you be a better person. But you were dead. You were dead in your sin, as it says in the Bible. You needed someone to come and, and deal with that problem, the problem that you could not fix and that I could not fix. There's no way to re- religiosity to fix the problem that you had in your life, which was being dead in your sin. There's no way to be a good enough person to make yourself better. When you're, when you're dead, I mean, it's over. You need someone to resurrect you, to bring you back to life. And that's why Jesus came to die on the cross for your sins, to put sin to death in you and to resurrect you and your spirit to a new life. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died on the cross for your sins. It's to put sin to death. And the consequence, the eternal consequence of an eternal spiritual death and eternal separation from your Father in heaven who loves you. That's why he came, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. He gave his son to die on a cross for you so that you could find life, life here and now, real life. Why are you looking for the living? Why are you looking for life among dead things? There's only one place to look for life, and it's in Jesus. Let's look back at this story again in Luke chapter 24. Look on down at verse 6. So they asked the question, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And then it says, they, they say, he is not here. He has risen. He has risen. Come on, somebody say, he has risen. Yeah, he has has risen. Amazing. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. He's not here. He's risen. He's resurrected. Amazing. That's incredible. But but you remember how he told you he was going to do this, right? And he did. He said he was going to die and be resurrected, and, and that's exactly what happened. You know, a lot of the unmet expectations in our life, a lot of the brokenness in our life comes not only from our failures, but the failures of others. So many people have buried expectations from others, what they said they would do. They said that they'd stay with you. They said they'd help you out, and, and they didn't. They turned on you instead. Unfulfilled promises, broken commitments, people let us down, people under-deliver and over-promise. I mean, it happens all the time. And, and what I love about Jesus here, it says, he, he, he said he was going to do it, and he did it. Jesus fulfills every promise that he ever made every time. Write this down. Jesus fulfills every promise, and he exceeds every expectation. Every expectation that you bring to him, Jesus will exceed it. You know, these women had a simple expectation. They just wanted to, they wanted to care for and love on his body. And at first, their expectations were unmet, but then something better happened. The angel said, he's risen. He's still alive. You're looking, you're looking for this dead body, and you actually can find Jesus. He is alive. You go find him. He, he's, he's here. He's alive. He exceeds our expectations, and he will never fail us. He will never leave us. He will never give up on you. So come on, believer, take confidence in that, that, that your Savior, he won't leave you. He'll never forsake you. He loves you. That's who he is. One more time, I want to look at at this story. Luke chapter 24, look back at verse 9, the very end of this. It says, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11. Now, the 11, meaning Judas, who betrayed Jesus, he was no longer with them. So the other 11 of the 12 disciples, they, they told these things to them and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. 
But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Their words seemed to them like nonsense. Verse 12, Peter, however, he got up and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself, what had happened? Man, don't you love Peter? I love Peter. I I love his faith. I love his boldness. I love that he would get out of the boat right with Jesus and walk on the water. I love here that everybody else was doubting, but not Peter. Peter got up, and he ran, not not walked, (laughs) not jogged, but he sprinted to that tomb. Yeah, I don't know what it is about my boys right now, but my, my two boys who are 14 and 12, I mean, they just want to beat dad at everything now. It's like everything's a competition. They want to beat me. I, I was playing ping pong here at the church the other day with my son, and we'd push the ping pong table out into the lobby, my 14-year-old Jalen, and, and we were into a good game of ping pong. And I, and I can beat him. It's close, but I, I can still beat him pretty much every time. But he's getting better and better, right? And he really wants to beat dad. And we were playing this game, and we are getting to the end of it, and we only had one ping pong ball. And I hit the ball, and it went off the table, and it went into a trash can in the lobby of our church. And, and so the, the ping pong ball is in the trash at the church. And he goes over to the trash. It's got trash in it. And he starts digging through the trash to find the ping pong. I'm like, leave it, man. He's like, no, no, I'm going to find it. He puts his paddle down. He's digging in the trash to find a ping pong ball because he wants to beat his dad that bad. <laughs> I'm just laughing at him. Like, you really want to beat dad, don't you? But it's true, man. Like, like they'll try to race me. And, and they'll do whatever it takes to, to beat dad. Now, and I remember when they were younger, and I didn't have to, like, run full on to beat them. I'd just kind of jog and just, like, smile at them. I'd still, like, beat them anyway, but I would just be jogging. I don't have to try. Now, when my 14-year-old, who's almost 15, and my 12-year-old, who's almost 13, when they race dad, when I'm chasing them, like, I have to run. I'm, I'm sweaty. I'm a mess. I'm just, I still could beat them, but just, like, barely. I'm just waiting for the day that they pass me. But, but I have to run with everything I've got to win that race. I have to run hard. And there's some people that are just running so hard after some things that they think are going to satisfy, that are going to meet their expectations. If I can just get to that level, if I can just get to that place, if I can just make it, then I'm going to be happy. Then I'm going to feel that peace, and then I'm going to get what I actually want. And they're running so hard and, and left with so many unmet expectations. But Peter, he had a desperation to run after something, and, and it wasn't a something out there, this nebulous thing that he thought if he could get it, it would satisfy him. He, he was running after someone because he imagined if this was true, what these women were saying sounded crazy. I mean, it sounded crazy to everybody, and most everybody that heard it didn't believe them. But Peter thought, If it's true, this changes everything. Like, all bets are off. I mean, if this is true and Jesus is actually alive, man, just imagine what this means for us. Imagine what this means for our future. Imagine what this means for the world. If our our leader, if our Lord, if if the one that we saw die, if, if he's alive again, if he's resurrected, just imagine what this means for us. That he has power over even death. Like our government put him to death. I mean, he was buried and he was done and yet he's alive. Like just imagine what this means. And, and Peter, just, just a little bit of faith, just a little bit of faith that, that maybe this could be true. He took off running in desperation. Sometimes that's what you got to do. You don't have all the answers, but you just got to run towards Jesus. Just with a little bit of faith that you have just to say, you know, if this is even true, I man, it's going to change everything, right? And you don't always get all your, your questions answered. I mean, Jesus, you know, he, he had risen. He wasn't in the tomb. And it says, did you, did you hear that? We just read Peter got there, right? And Jesus was nowhere to be found initially. He, he couldn't see him. He, he knew that there was no body, but he didn't meet Jesus. He would meet him soon. He would see him again, but he didn't see him in that moment. And it says he left there wondering. 
wondering. Like he didn't have all his questions answered. But he had enough faith to run to Jesus because he knew that if Jesus had resurrected, it had changed everything. He had enough faith to believe to run to Jesus out of a desperation of heart because he wanted more. Don't you want more out of life than what you're experiencing? Run to Jesus. Don't you want to be renewed and restored? Don't you want him to rekindle your, your hope? Right? Don't, don't you want him to help you reimagine life again and rebuild and restore and renew? I mean, all those things are possible, but it has to come out of a desperation. I mean, I've been looking for life among the dead things of this world. I need to run to where there's true life, eternal life. It's in Jesus. Here, here's the idea. In Jesus, desperation can bring transformation. In Jesus. Only in Jesus, but in him, desperation can bring transformation. He can restore whatever it is that you've lost, whatever that's been broken in your life, the part where you were let down and so you let go of God because you were in so much pain, maybe anger. Whatever it was, healing is possible for you. Whatever it was in your past, it can be forgiven. Whatever your future plans are, listen, man, it it can be so much better. Whatever it is, whatever it is. I heard someone say it like this when, when you're drowning and someone throws you a life preserver, don't ask where it came from. (laughs) Don't ask if it will hold you. Just grab onto it. Just grab onto it. You just need to have enough faith. Just like Peter, he didn't have all his questions answered, but he he knew that that Jesus was capable of something like this because he'd seen him heal people. He'd seen him do the miraculous. He believed that he was God in the flesh, and so he just took off running in Jesus' direction. And, And maybe that's what you need to do today. You don't have all your questions solved. There's still a mess going on. There's there's still some some problems that need to be worked out. You might need to get some help, but but you have enough faith to believe that you know what Jesus, you can be that life preserver for me because I've been sinking and, and I haven't been finding what I've been looking for. Maybe I've been in church for a long time and I've settled for religion, and I've just been going through the motions and I, I just I've been settling for less. I've been looking for the living God among the dead things of this world, and and it's not enough for me. Religion's not enough. A service is not enough. A program is not enough. Going through the motions and being successful at work is not enough, and treasures of this world are not enough, and accomplishments are not enough. There's only one thing that's more than enough, and it's Jesus. That's his name. And and if you can believe that, just enough to, to believe that if you run to him, that in desperation he can bring transformation, then you can see the miracles of God in your life. The resurrection that God wants to do inside of you. Because, yes, the resurrection was a historical event. It was something that happened in the past. But it's also something that Jesus wants to do in your future. The resurrection did happen. It's something that happened at a place in time. But it's also something that can happen inside of you. A resurrection of your soul. A resurrection of your spirit. Jesus at work in you in a fresh way. Whether you've been walking with Jesus for many years or just a few moments. Jesus wants to do something fresh in your life. And, and I, I love John chapter 1 verse 12. I, I'll close on this with this Easter message. John chapter 1 verse 12. It's, it's an amazing promise of God. It says, it says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent or of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God, God. reborn, born again, born through faith as you place your faith in him and believe in him and receive him into your life. It's a resurrection of of your soul, of your spirit into new life. And, And some of you have never taken that step to place your faith in Jesus, to trust in him for the first time. 
or maybe for the first time in a long time, you used to believe, but you've, you've been chasing the things of the world. And, and this Resurrection Sunday, that, that substantial lasting thing that God wants to do in your life is to bring you home to him. And you need to take a bold step of faith and grab onto that life preserver called Jesus and say, Jesus, save me. I've been in this hole and, and that rope that's hanging down, I just, I'm gonna grab onto it and trust that you have the strength to pull me out of it. I don't know how I'm gonna get out, but I need your help to get out. And, and I'm just gonna believe. I'm gonna run in your direction because I'm desperate. I'm desperate for something living in this dead world where there's so many things around me that don't make sense and that don't satisfy. Jesus, you can satisfy my soul. And, and if that's you today, I wanna give you an opportunity as we close here in a moment in prayer to receive that in faith, to say, Jesus, I believe you and I wanna live for you and I want something more out of this life, something that will make my spirit alive. And you can do that today through a genuine prayer, turning to Jesus. It's a lifelong journey of following him, but it begins with a step. There's so much that God wants to do tomorrow in your life, but it begins today with you saying, Jesus, yes to you. I want you. I'm running to you like Peter. I'm believing, Jesus, that you have resurrected. And you'll see him just like Peter got to see him, the resurrected Savior. He got to lock eyes with him. And that's what he wants for you as a a face-to-face relationship. For many of us, we, we've taken that step in, in our life and we, we've placed our faith in Jesus at one point or another. And, and this Easter, my hope is that, that you will be called again to maybe your, what has drifted away, your first love, and that you will realize that it's not Jesus plus anything that will satisfy you. It's not Jesus, I believe, but I still gotta go find my peace in the world. Jesus, I believe, but I still gotta go get my joy somewhere else. No, where you find your joy and your peace and your hope, love, everything that you need to satisfy your soul is in one person and his name is Jesus. And it's a reminder today for all of us to come back to him, not coming back to a religion, but coming back to a a life-giving relationship with a resurrected savior. And the one who has power over death, the one who has conquered sin, that one, the one that has power over every other power, the name above every other name, that name is calling your name today. And he's saying, listen, I want more from you and I want more for you. What I want is your heart, all of it, not just a little bit of it. I want all of your heart. And that's the only thing I need is you just to give more of yourself to me, more surrender, whatever you have faith to believe, just, just hand it over to me and you will see me do more than you can even imagine. Our resurrected savior, he wants to exceed every expectation. And I know that you have some buried expectations, some ones that you had in the past that you've let go of, things that didn't work out. But our savior is so powerful, he can even resurrect those buried expectations and exceed them as you trust in him this Easter. Right on, right on. Come on, let's pray. Hey, Jesus, thank you so much for your grace in our life. It's, it's amazing. And, and sometimes it just seems too good to be true. It's, it's like waking up out of a dream, but then finding out that that dream wasn't even nearly as good as our reality. That, that God, our reality is that your, your grace, it's, it covers all of our sins when we ask for forgiveness. And, and God, your, your relationship with us, it, it's, it's meaningful. You, you care about us. You walk with us day to day and you want so much more for our lives. And so, so Jesus, we're just thankful today, this, this Easter, this Resurrection Sunday. We're just so thankful for what you did, not only 2,000 years ago as you resurrected uh, from, from your burial, but Jesus, what you're doing now to resurrect us and, and to bring new life into our spirit and into our church and what you're wanting to do in this world to bring new life. And, and God, I pray that we would have the faith to run towards you, Jesus, that we would put you first in our life above every other pursuit. Not you, Jesus, plus anything, but just Jesus, more of you. That's what we want. And so God, just call us back to that. Out, out of the lifeless religiosity that, that some of us have experienced in our past, out of the, the worldly desires that we've been running after and finding ourselves coming up empty. Jesus, may we just run to you this Easter with everything we've got. And out of desperation, Jesus, may you bring transformation inside of us, a renewed hope, 
a renewed passion for you. God, may, may we find that the other things in our life start to get crowded out instead of crowding out worship and crowding out time with our, our believing family. And, and God, instead of crowding out time alone with you, God, may we start crowding the other things of the world out so we can get more of you because that's what we want because that's what satisfies. It's Jesus, it's more of you. And as we're praying, maybe there's something in your life right now that you want to turn over to God and say, God, here's my heart. Here's, here's what I haven't given to you. And I'm surrendering that to you today. I want to experience more of you. And, and maybe some of you are praying that. And maybe there's someone here today who would say, I, I need to turn my life over to this living God, this resurrected Savior, Jesus. And I, I don't have all my questions answered. I might still have some doubts, but I have enough faith to believe that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And he's my life preserver. And I'm just going to hold on to him today. And so if that's you, you can just, just pray a prayer something like this. Jesus, I'm a sinner. And, and I, I've rebelled against you. And I've experienced the destruction of sin when I've gone my own way. But Jesus, I I need you to save me today. And so I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sins, past, present, and future. Just wash them clean. And and, and Jesus, come into my life. You you tell me in John 1.12 that if I receive you and I believe in you, you'll give me an adoption into your family. And so I'm asking to be adopted right now into your family, the family of God, where I have an eternal father. God, God, forgive me. I, I, I believe in you, and, and I receive you into my life. I want you in my life. I receive you today. And if you prayed that prayer today, I just want to assure you that God heard you if it was genuine. And wherever you are and hearing this message, he, he heard you, and he's adopted you into his family. And you need to take more steps to, to, to grow closer to him and to get into his word and learn and grow. And please reach out to us. Let us know how we can help. But today was the first step on what could be a beautiful, lifelong journey of following him. Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for what you're doing in our church. It's been incredible to see the transformation in our lives. But, but God, we're believing you for even more. In the year ahead, God, we want to see you do even more in our life. And so that's what we're asking for this Easter, for you to do more than ever before. And Jesus, is in your resurrected name that we pray. Amen. I had the best time today worshiping and learning with you. You may have made a commitment during service, and if that's the case, we'd love for you to reach out to us. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, go to churchexperience.tv connect, or pull out your camera app and scan the QR code. Want to get even more connected? Check us out on CE social media, Instagram, Facebook, website, or YouTube page. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. What a great day it has been. Can't wait to see you next week.